if I take the word no and just leave it there, I'm done. So no means to me, I'm closer to the yes that I'm looking for. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. All right, welcome back, y'all. I decided I'm going to start saying y'all. I think it's going to really, really boost the show here if I start saying y'all. You know, kind of a uh, kind of a Southern charm, if you will. <laughs> Losing my mind. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with pro soccer player turned pastor Jesse Bradley. That conversation about faith definitely applies to today's guest, singer-songwriter Artie Tobiah. Before we get to Artie, though, I just want to say thank you for all of the feedback, the comments. It really is amazing. You don't realize how important these comments and the shares of the podcast with friends and your followers on social media, how important all of that is to me and everyone that's now part of my team at 10,000 Knows. You are literally the lifeblood of this whole operation because I realized after doing a good chunk of episodes early on that this whole thing, it's, it's not about me. It's not even about the guests. It's actually about you. Wherever you are right now, you could be in your car, the gym, you're on a walk. I have no idea. You're flying high because things are going really well. Or on the other side, you could be licking your wounds because you just got hammered down by some unforeseen swipe that life happened to take at you, which happens to all of us. That's the whole point of the show. But when I get a message like this one from at Inhale and Ignite, I hope I'm saying that correctly, on Instagram. Um, I'm going to read this to you. She says, I was expressing my gratitude for your work and podcast, the platform and community you've created from the people you have shared conversations with has genuinely changed my life and career. And she goes on to say she started coaching with one of my guests. She reached out to another of my guests, Sharon Srivatsa, who's a real heavy hitter, and two others that she heard me talk about on the podcast. And she ends with, so truly deepest gratitude and thank you. Now, I don't read this to brag. I read it because it makes me realize that this whole operation, which is incredibly involved and way more work than I realized when I started, is totally worth it. So... I'm going to do my best to keep delivering content that, you know, will not just entertain you, but help in some way when you apply it to your life. And bear with me because I'm sure I'll make mistakes along the way. But the key is to keep chipping away, which is the perfect segue to today's guest. Artie Tobiah is a prolific singer-songwriter with a catalog of over 100 songs he's written over the past two decades while performing over 200 nights a year, continually working on his craft. His fourth album, Aberdeen, 
you know, there are too many accolades here. I'm just going to pick one of them. Track of the Week, Troubadour Show. Well, CD of the Month pick by Thomas Greener, KVMR, Los Angeles. Um, there are too many other things to say about it. His fifth album, Driven, hit number two on the APD Americana National Album Chart in January when it was released. He's opened for the iconic Tanya Tucker, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Dr. John, Kansas, Blue Oyster Cult, Poco and Kenny Wayne Shepherd, among others. But what's most astounding is that he has managed to do all of this while raising three incredibly successful kids, maintaining a long and vital marriage, holding a job as a crisis manager in the New York City public school system, which from the stories he's told me, it could be a movie like Serpico, and getting his master's degree. He has an administrative license. He's even authored a book on education. I mean, come on, Artie, you're making the rest of us look lazy. We talk work ethic, balance, focus, reality, and how to work toward one's dreams by chipping away one day at a time until the dam finally breaks. Full disclosure, Artie is also my cousin, but he's been a friend and confidant over the years as our lives have run somewhat parallel courses. I look to him for advice, both personally and professionally, and he always has a great answer. And really, I owe a lot of my acting career to him because over Christmas break of my senior year of college, I was wondering if the bold statement I made my junior year of I'm going to be an actor was pure delusion. And I said this to Artie and he said, look, you're 21. Try it for three years. If you get nowhere, you can always go get a real job. So maybe one of you right now is listening. You're in the same boat and you're going to hear those words from Artie. You're going to hear our conversation and it's going to have the same effect on you following your dreams. I hope so. Anyway, here he is, il mio cugino, Artie Tobias. In the spirit of 10,000 No's, I, I hope when everybody hears some of this story of what you've done with music and what you've done with your family and in your career, they, right. if they are sitting there with a dream of some sort, are going to be inspired by not only what, you know, how you helped me and how you've helped me along the years with all the conversations we've had about art and family and balance and all that, yeah, yeah, but also with what you've done. So why don't you just uh, kind of start us off with where you are right now with your music. I know by the time this is released, either your latest album, Driven, will be, uh, am I allowed to say album anymore or CD, whatever everybody, yeah, I like album. Let's say album. It's an album. Yeah. So your latest yeah. album, uh, Driven, is right. either is about to be released or uh, was just released by the time um, this comes out for everybody. And right. we are now at the end of 2018. So why don't you give us a little bit of what you've been up to lately, music-wise, and, and tell us a little bit about this album. Yeah. So that project started in uh, March of, of 2018. And over two nights, we recorded that entire album. I had written uh, nine of the, the 13 songs that are on there uh, in a three-week, well, less than three-week period in December uh, of 2017. And I just kind of got uh, a set of musicians together that I wanted to use for it. And uh, we recorded all those songs in two days. And then I brought in a couple of people after that to put some you know, Mando on and some fiddle and some, uh, some other stuff and, and some background vocals. And 
Uh, and then, you know, then there's a process of post-production and, and reproduction and, you know, and then scheming and making a plan to get the thing released in a timely fashion. And in the process, I started a new, uh, I, I developed a new, uh, what's called direct to fan website and I've accumulating fans across the country since the end of August, which has been kind of exciting and fun. Uh, and I've picked up about 500 or so people in the last, uh, two, two months or so. And uh, so that's really been the main focus of what I've been doing in addition to, you know, obviously continuing, continuing to play and stuff uh, play out. But, uh, uh, and then, you How know. How crazy is it that you did this album, you recorded an album in two, for people that are not music people in two we days. Did, is that we typical? Did 14 tracks, 13 of which ended up on the recording in uh, about 15 hours. So no, that's pretty expedient. You know, I had, I was very fortunate in, you know, I knew the people I was selecting to bring in and my, my, my core of rhythm section of, uh, you know, Bridgman and Stewart on, on drums and bass. And then I brought in, uh, a piano organ player, a guitar player and a female vocalist and, and myself. And, uh, you know, honestly, if we had done a little bit of more pre-production as a group, we probably could have done it even faster, but, um, but it just speaks to the caliber of who they all are. I mean, it's really, I can't take the credit for that. It's the caliber of they, who they are as musicians and what they're capable of doing. And, uh, but no, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty expedient to yeah. get essentially 14 songs in 15 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and this is from, but that's what... also, you know, I mean, you know how I am. Like I, you know, I, I'm always on, you know, overdrive. Yeah. You know? Hence, so. hence the title driven. There you go. Well, and, well that is funny. They say that because I mean, that is partly how that came to be because the original title was going to be black Mustang, which is the opening track. And, and, uh, we ran into a little potential controversy with the Ford motor company over that, uh, between artwork and the song title. And so, uh, rather than risk having some legal issue with them, we just decided to change it. And driven is partly a lyric out of the black Mustang song. But then we realized like, it really is appropriate. I mean, to do what I do, to do what you do, if you're not driven and motivated and independent and, you know, uh, uh, you know, able to work on your own, you, you can't really do what we do. So, um, I like, I like driven becomes a a kind of a multi meaning title now. Yeah. I like it a lot better than black Mustang personally, but, um, yeah, but, you know, one of the things we've spoken about as you, you know, you, you we've had, we've been having conversations about your music and, and my acting for years and years now. Yeah. And we have kind of a lot of crossovers in our, in our lives. Um, but I've never heard you as excited about one of your albums as you are about this one. And, and one of the things we talked about was this is really the first album where you really had uh, I don't know if it was 100%, but you, you were really making a lot of the choices on how it oh, was yeah. going to be produced. And, um, why don't you yeah. speak to us about that? Because I think a lot of people listening, you know, they, they, there's a tendency when you go off to do something, um, that that's creative and that maybe you're not fully sure about yourself with it. 
um, right. you go, oh, I want to do this officially. And so you start to put the power in other people's hands so yeah, that yeah, they yeah, make yeah, these yeah. decisions because you're like, oh, well, they've been doing this. They're a quote professional. And then right. you get to a certain They're point in your music and your life and your journey and you go, hang on, I know exactly what I want. I know what it, I want it to taste like and feel like and sound like. And, right. and I'm gonna, and so talk to us a little bit about that shift because I think it was tiny, but it was huge. So let well, us know. It's, it's exactly right. I mean, there is a tendency to give away your, your, your creativity to somebody else who you think is an expert and, oh, they know what to do. They're going to make me sound right. They're going to make it sound right. And, and so, you know, my, this is my fifth record. My first record, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I went in with a bunch of other people who, when I look back on it, most of them didn't know what they were doing. Um, I could have said I produced that record, but I didn't want it to be written by Artie Tobias, you know, sung by Artie Tobias, produced by Artie. I just thought it was a little too like much ego stuff. I was like, I don't need. So you, you know, uh, we kind of collectively uh, produced it, and the guy who engineered it had a lot of say in it. And the guitar, two of the guitar players, you know, my my good friend Mark and and his buddy Dennis, and you know, and in the end, I said they produced it, those two guys, and and you know, and that was that, and. And as I progressed, my next record was kind of an anomaly because we had just gone into this band and recorded it years before. And then because technology allowed us to release it, that release. So that doesn't really count. I guess that was kind of self-produced, but there was nothing more than us just going in and playing it live and recording it. Um, and then the third one, I put my hands, my record in the hands of a guy who is, you know, a very accomplished musician and has played with some notable people. And, you know, he did what he did. And, and I, I started... The, the pattern that began to emerge was I'd always find myself going, ah, well, I should, oh, why did I do that? Why did I leave that? Why did we leave that? And, and, and then the next record, Aberdeen, you know, uh, which was the record before Driven, it was a matter of, I worked with Al Hamburger and he's just a delight to work with and very easygoing. And he'll, he'll give you his opinion and push back against stuff. But, in the end, he kind of, you know, he will acquiesce to you, the artist, you know. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I feel like he really produced Aberdeen. I think we had a co-credit on that one. And, and, uh, but still, I winced a little bit. A couple of things, like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I change that lyric? Because somebody else said I should. And why did I leave that that way? Driven, I got in there and it was, uh, the other title potentially for me was No Compromise which had nothing to do with any of the songs, but that was my attitude. And every song I kept pushing out and say, Nope, that's not done, man. It's got to go this way. It's got to, I want to do this. I want to do that. And we get for, Oh, that's done. I was like, no, 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 that's not that. I want to do this. And I want to do that. I want to do this. And you know, in Phoenix, the first single that we released off the record in particular, he's like, when we finished and I finally said, All right, that's it. He's like, you're so right if we'd stopped when I said stop, it would never sound like this, but I didn't understand what you were going to. But now that we're here, I get it. And so I end up with a record now that there's nothing on there that makes me wince. There's nothing on there that makes me say, I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have left that or, you know, whatever. And, and um, you're right. When we, when we abdicate our creativity to somebody else, who is a quote unquote expert, they, you know, as I always, you know, I've said this to you for years, right? Like nobody else is responsible to fulfill my dream. And, and I've learned that even in the studio, it's like, 
nobody's going to make it sound as good as I'm going to make it sound when I'm not willing to compromise what it sounds like, you know, and that's not from a place of arrogance so much as just a place of, I want it to get to a certain place and I'm listening and I'll hear you, but I want it to be in a certain space. So that being said, driven to me is the best thing I've ever done, which I've never felt about any of my other records. Though I like and enjoy and think they're all good. I think by far driven is the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't abdicate that responsibility. I took full control. And the cool part about that, a a sidebar is I got a good friend, my good friend, Chris, who um, we had this same, and he and I, like you and I have been talking for 20 something years. And I kind of shared all this with him and he has since gone in the studio and taken the bull by the horns with the same attitude. And he said, I couldn't be happy because I wish we'd had this conversation years ago. You know, so that's kind of a cool impact to have on somebody, you know. Well, that's what's, that, that's what's really cool. Yeah, no, that's really cool to to hear. And I know that that Chris, who you're talking about, I believe when, you know, years ago, he was a guy that was kind of further along in the music industry oh, yeah, than yeah, you yeah. were, I mean, absolutely. which is great. But, but also, this is one of the things about this podcast that I love is like, now you'll have this conversation with me and you have no idea who's listening. And hopefully there's someone, yeah. I mean, I can actually think of one guy that I know, um, John Tag. if you're listening right now, this is a guy who's, uh, he's an actor, but he's also a, a musician. And I know he's a big fan of the podcast. It's like, you, you know, somebody's going to hear this conversation and hopefully it's going to inspire them to to take the bull by the horns, as you said, with whatever yeah. it is they're doing, whether it's a short film or it's their own album or it's a feature film, whatever, but to, to re- trust their own voice. And what I love about what you're wow. saying is like you are you will sink and swim by your own choices here. Obviously you had help from great musicians, but, but at least at the end of the day, you go, this is the the album that I really, you know, I made an album that I want to hear. And and hopefully it connects. You have no power over if it connects with people or not. No, but but what you just said is absolutely right. I sink or swim by it. If it's a success, then I get to go, okay, I, I've, trusted myself and my instincts were correct because I've always kind of felt like I could produce other people and you know but I have been I've had a number of different people along the way some are who are on you know a higher professional level oh don't ever produce yourself you can't do it it's impossible and I just think yeah why is it impossible like you know I, I don't know if it's impossible and and so I think you do have to have a certain sense an ability um <laughs> Sorry about that. I think you got to have to have a certain sense of ability to separate yourself, the person from you, the product. If yeah. you can do that successfully, I think you can produce yourself. If you can't, then you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, about taking responsibility, I, I actually think that that's something, whether we're aware of it or not, that's actually everything in life everything like we you know and that's been brought up here on this show a, a lot which is like yeah. you are where you are yes there are external forces that are bombarding all of us all the time but we kind of are where we are as a result of the choices that we make and you know we make our own beds and we lie in them and for for better and for worse and sometimes we don't admit that or we like to try to point fingers and blame something else or someone else but yeah. at the end of the day like 
you know, you are the result of all the choices you've made. And, and so I think it's, right. it's great that you like, you sound so excited. I mean, we, we've been talking about this album for a little while now and, and you were kind enough to send me a copy and I love it. And it's, you know, it's, it's really cool for me to hear that in your voice. And, and in a way, that's how I feel even with this podcast. And that's how I feel about yeah. the screenplay that I'm writing right now. Like I'm finally yeah. going like, I'm not going to try to do what everybody else thinks I should do. I'm going to do what I feel is the thing that I want to see. Yeah. And, and, and what know. do you lose by that? You don't, you don't lose anything. You know, it, it's dream big. Why not dream big? You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this a long time. I'm going to tell you right now, if somebody, and I, and I check in with the guys in my band, you know, on occasion, I'll say, so if somebody walks in the door tonight and says, you guys are the greatest thing since sliced toast, we want to put you on tour and send you around the country. Are you still in on the dream? And they're like, yeah, you know, and, and I, I look at it as I'm just going to keep doing this. And, and, uh, you know, I have an abundance mentality. You know, I, I, I look at it as there's enough to go around for everybody. I know what I do musically appeals to and will find fans as long as I keep getting it out there. As far as I can keep getting it, it will always find fans. I don't have any doubt about that. I don't have any, any reservations about it. I don't question my talent or how good I am or I'm not or who I compare to this guy or that guy. I just look at it and say, there are more than enough people out there and I'm going to keep doing this. And I don't know where my journey ends. I don't know if it ends with this record. This is this will be it in my last one. Or if I'll have 15 more after this, I have no idea. But I'll have a body of work, however big or small it is, that puts me out there and allows me to to impact people. And, and you know, for me, I mean, writing and performing and, and it's all about, you know, reaching people and making a difference maybe for somebody. A song contributes to their life or they use it for some part of their life or they causes, you know, it's a memory for them, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. I've had people come up to me at shows and say, Oh, that song was something. And they want to talk to me about that specific song and tell me what it means to them. And sometimes they're spot on for what I wrote it for. And sometimes they're in some other world that has nothing to do with it, but that's what it means for them. And then in my mind, I go, well, I did my job. That song connected to them on a universal level that they can apply it to their lives. And that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, and I just know there's enough people out there for me that I can, I just have to find them, you know? Yeah. And speaking of, you know, this is a, a great segue because I, I kind of want to get into this, you know, so if anybody's listening, they're going, okay, this guy made uh, five albums. He's, he's doing this, but I don't, I don't have time. I've, I met, you know, listening and to this podcast. And who is he? I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> and who is he? No, but they're going, I don't, you know, I don't have the time. I've got kids and I've got a full schedule and I've got a job and all of that. And right. so I really want to speak to what you have done over the last 22 years. Um, how old are all the kids now? They're all in college. What are the uh, ages? 18, 19, and 20. 18, 19, and 20. And for they the last 22 years. They're aged for the next month and a half. Yeah. Well, here's here's what's so, what's so cool. For the last 22 years, you've been playing about, what, 200 nights a year? And Roughly you still, your, your yeah. kids Usually are- Usually 200, maybe some more than that. I mean, which is the volume of what you've been able to do while having a a huge impact in the New York City School District, um, and we'll get into that more specifically, raising three upstanding citizens, all in college, all did well in school, all, you know, played sports, academics, yep. the whole thing. Yep. Um, 
how, first of all, how have you managed to do this? I mean, because it it really is incredible when I think of all that you've done and, and we've talked about 10,000 hours and putting it in you, I think, you know, part of why you were able to record that album so quickly is because you are such a finely tuned machine at this point by playing out so much. Well, maybe, maybe, I mean, it might have something to do with that. I mean, it's what I said before too. I mean, I definitely, I have an overdrive button that I know most people do not possess and, uh, and not, you know, I always laugh and say to people, oh, if I were, if I were a kid today, I'd be, you know, I'd be told I was ADHD and probably put on medication. And, and then, and I, and I just think to myself, God almighty, like, I'm glad I didn't go to school in that time where that's where everybody wants to do to kids who have a lot of energy. But I always have had an excessive amount of energy. I've, I've never, I, I, you know, I put in 20 hour days with frequency um, though I, I'll say in the last five years, maybe not with as much frequency and just quite honestly, cause as I'm getting older, it's not as easy to do, but, but a 20 hour day is not something I was unfamiliar with and, and frequently 20 hour days back to back to back. And, and, you know, 200 nights a year ends up being three, four five nights a week in some cases, you know, not every week, but frequently during the course of the year. And, um, you know, yeah. And balancing that out with everything else I do. Um, you know, I just don't, I just don't, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, I like I say, I, I just have a, a drive that I, 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 I keep moving forward. And what and, is and, it that drives I, you? What is it that drives you? Um, I, 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 I think what drives me is that I, I want to, I want to make a difference for people and for things and, and have an impact and, 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 you know, whether that's one person at a time or it's in front of an audience of people or it's, you know, a a small difference of just, you know, I mean, like, look, I did the gig Friday night. I got home at, I don't know, about, you know, one o'clock in the morning, got up at six, drove up to my son's football game, turned around, got home, realized I had enough time to drop my wife back off at the house rather than making her come to my gig on Saturday night, did my Saturday night gig and, you know, came back home, got up early because at six o'clock Saturday, I got offered uh, a show at Daryl's house, you know, Daryl Hall's place up in Pauling. And uh, uh, Todd Snyder was supposed to do a show there and he got, I had some medical issue. He couldn't do it. And so, you know, I got a call, can you fill this in? And I was like, sure. But it, it put me into a, a scramble Sunday morning that I had no anticipation of, but you know, what am I going to do? I, I said, yes. And now I got to, I got to scramble. And so, you know, I pulled it all together and was off and on my way for sound check at four, you know, three o'clock to be up there for four thirty, And, and I did a show that night and I came home and I went to sleep. You know, like, I mean, but that's, but that's normal to me, like driving, you know, eight hours in the car and going to a gig and coming home and then getting up and then doing it again, then going to like, that's just what I do. Yeah. And, and, um, but you, you know, for me, it's a balance, right? You got to balance all these things, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, my family and, and, and working and, you know, everything. I mean, I, it all just, it, it, it's, it's just finding a balance, but I also don't feel like I have much choice when it comes to 
the music. Like, I just feel like it's something I do. Like, it's something I do. It's something I have to do. It's something that's part of me, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I, that's a funny question. What drives me? I, well, I, no, I, that makes sense. Was, I, I want you to tell everybody what it is that you do now, you know, in the education system and kind of the progression there, um, how you uh, you were an educator turned kind of dean of discipline turned. Now you're you are after I mean, this is the other crazy thing about you is all the schooling. Would you have your master's in what give us a little bit of the it's 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 crazy, like all the things is, that you do. You're a behavioral a expert. I, I once shared my resume with somebody and I said, Look at this. He goes, That's pretty impressive. I said, I know. He goes, And you didn't make any of it up. I said, I know. It's kind of funny, isn't it? It's like so you're four I, people ironic, in one. Tell everybody what what the current job is because that sounds to me I'm currently like a, 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 a crisis manager. Uh, in the Bronx. So I, I deal with, uh, as we say, the routine to the extreme, but I, I'm mostly dealing in, in very uh, uh, unfortunate, dark happenings that go on. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, death in whatever form it can come in, you know, different, different things. And, and so, um, and, and my role is just to go in and make sure everybody is steady and calm and, and, uh, you know, get them from one end of the event to the other event, uh, emotionally safe and sound and focused on the task, which is to maintain the school's, uh, uh, you know, goal, which is teaching and learning, you know, yeah. and, and we so, can't, and I know we can't go into specifics because, you know, for legal reasons, yeah, yeah, you can't, yeah. you can't speak about right, these right, actual, right. but you, you know, I, I know there are really heightened, situations, homicides, like all these, mm -hmm. it's like your, your life, whenever we talk, I feel like, you know, we should be making a movie about you because it's, it's kind yeah. of, it's, it's kind yeah. of a, a really high stakes existence. No, it's, it's, it's very, it's very intense. The work I do now is very, very intense. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff I'm doing is stuff that ends up on the news, you know, and then you're never going to see me. I, I don't, seek the camera. I don't, you know, I have nothing to do with that. I just, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I do, but, um, but it, it's, it's, uh, you know, those two things, that life is no different than my musical life, which is, I do that with the hope and expectation of kind of being at certain service to people and, and making a difference in their lives and, you know, maybe, providing them with a little, uh, you know, I don't know, hope and inspiration within a moment and getting them through it, which to me is not really much different than being on stage performing a song. It's kind of the same thing, right? I'm, I'm up there. I'm just delivering my message musically rather than commanding my message through, you know, speaking to people, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, but I think for me, I mean, as I've gotten older, I think I realize more and more I am a very service minded person. And, you know, uh, you know, helping people and being in service to people and uh, trying to get them through things. You know, I had a guy recently, I was going to a gig and I'm on the phone with my sister and I come around the bend of this road up in Connecticut and there's a guy sprawled out on the road and he doesn't look so good. And there's a motorcycle and, you know, 
I said, well, I got to go. I said, there's a guy out on the road, you know, and I, and I just immediately went to like crisis manager mode, you know? So I get out of the car and there's all these people standing around. Nobody's helping the guy. You know, he's, he's, he's semi-conscious on the, on the roadway. And I get out and I talk to him and I start getting some information from him. And I, what I can tell now, he's got a head injury. He's got a leg injury. And, but his memory is short term is not intact because he doesn't know what happened. Long term is intact because he can give me his wife's name and phone number. And I call her and I get her on the phone and I explained to her, I said, well, listen, I said, I'm here with your husband. I said, you don't know me. I said, but you know, he's had a little accident on his motorcycle and you know, Oh my God, is he okay? Hold on, hold on. You know, this is what the story is. He's conscious. You know, he's, he's banged up. He's got a, he's got a little blood from his head. He's got a knee that's torn up. I said, but, you know, and I just kind of talked her through the cops get there and whatever. And so, you know, in the subsequent, and I didn't, I didn't give my name to anybody. I didn't, whatever, you know, the police might've taken my name, I guess, for the report, but, but in the subsequent days, you know, the PD did reach back to me because the woman wanted to, you know, do something for him. And I said, look, I said, just honestly tell her she's happy to help. It's all good. She doesn't need to do anything. Don't worry about it. But in that moment, it's like, I find a lot of satisfaction in that, in that moment, being able to help somebody. And, and in his case, him initially, and then her by letting her, and she apparently, she said to me, she goes, Oh my gosh, she's so calm. Like, I know it's not good what you're telling me, but you're, you're so calm in what you're doing that. And it's like, yeah. And in my head, I'm going, yeah, that's what I do every day, you know? And so, and it's, and it's funny because people only know me as a musician, which there's a lot of people who only know me and see me in that world. Can't even wrap their head around the fact that I do that, you know, and, and, or that I'm in a position of, you know, pretty high position and, uh, 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 you know, in very intense situations on a daily basis. And then conversely, the people who know me, <laughs> who, who might come out and finally see me doing something musically, like, you really do this? Like, you really do this? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, yeah it's it's really, it's a little bit of like uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. I mean, it's. Um, well, it is, it is a little bit like a, a, a dual identity. That's funny you say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. So what I want to talk, I'm just, I'm thinking for, you know, strategies for listeners as, as they're hearing this story. Um, yeah. Like, what is it? two things that came up as you were talking, I was thinking one, you know, how do you compartmentalize in that way? Because I think a lot of people may have a dream to do something, but they just, they don't know logistically like where to start or how to do it, how to kind of toggle between both worlds. That's one. And then another is, you know, what skill sets or even like experiences from your uh, the, the disciplinarian, uh, originally disciplinarian, and now this crisis management, do you bring into your music or your lyrics, or the stories that you're telling? Oh, well, let's start there and then we'll go back to the toggle question. But so not so much a disciplinarian, actually, I would say more, you know, a behavior, a behavior specialist. Um, and so, and I make that distinction because disciplinarian, um, uh, suggests more about somebody who's punishing and, and providing consequences and kids are getting in trouble with my work around behavior in the role uh, previous to what I do now was very, uh, you know, it's about understanding people. So the way that impacts, I, I think for sure impacts my writing is I can write in a way that I know 
this particular phrase or this setup in this in this this lyrical setup in this song in the context of the story that I'm presenting will elicit this emotion in people and this response and it'll touch this chord for them. And so I think from that standpoint, and, and not that I give that a lot of conscious, Oh, well, I know from a behavioral state, like I don't think like that, but I just, I do sometimes find that I'll write something and go, Oh, well, that's interesting. Cause that's going to bring people here. And then it's going to drop them off and then they're going to fall into this, which is perfect because it goes right into this part, yeah. you know? And so, so I, cool. I think just understanding, you know, understanding how people are motivated and what causes people to say and do the things they say and do, which is really all behavior is allows me as a writer, I think to better connect, you know, um, yeah. with, with people and not, and I've learned not to give away the story so much as put the story there with enough information for them to latch onto it, but not enough for it to be hard and rigid that, well, that's not my story. You know, it still gives them the space to navigate it and, and make it their own to shape it and make it their own. And, and so I think from that standpoint, you, you know, um, you know, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, one thing I always say is that I've learned probably the most important thing I've learned over the years of both my worlds is accept and forgive. You know, you accept people for what they say and do and forgive them for it because most times it's not with ill intent. It's not, you know, uh, it's not malicious. It's just people being people just doing what they need to do to survive themselves, you know? And, and so, and I, and I write a lot about, you know, I do have some themes in my writing that I recognize as I write more. I mean, my catalog at this point is probably a hundred something songs. And I've released about half of those, I guess. And, and, but I do see, I, I'm beginning to see emerging themes and, and uh, you know, I, I, I talk about forgiveness. I talk about, you know, acceptance and love. And, you know, there's some things like that. In addition to other things, I mean, I, I noticed, for instance, that I say blue sky in a lot of my songs. I don't know why. Uh, I think I just like blue skies. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's optimism and symbolically. I don't know. Hmm. But, um, you know, I do. But I've noticed that with other writers, too. Like, I've noticed it with Springsteen or Van Morrison or John Mellencamp or, you know, whoever. There's certain phrases, I think, that you just kind of latch on to and they're sort of your own. You know, um, yeah. I don't think it's unique to me in any way. Uh, so, yeah, so I think that's how that ties in. And then, you know, what was the toggle question again? I like Basically, the like, I how, like how do you, um, you know, you have to do a lot of compartmentalizing. You said people in your, that know you from your music. Oh, you mean keeping be, everything separated sort of? Yeah, I don't know if it's separated or just kind of like the ability to, to fully be a musician. Because it's not like you're like part-time gigging it's really like you are have two full-time jobs i mean there there's a lot of time and energy put into oh, no, it's both a full of time them. yeah that's what i'm saying it's like it, you it's are a full, full, you are a fully a musician career. and you are fully uh, a behavior behavioral specialist or a crisis manager and, and i guess what i'm wondering is like how do you whether it's time management what are some of the tools or strategies that you use or even, you know, where the question came from was you said you, when that you came around the bend 
you were going to a gig. So you were in oh, music yeah, there was mode. The you came yeah, around yeah, the yeah. bend. There was the guy and boom, you just like fell back on your training. Um, well, so that's, it's, it's, it's a funny question to me, man. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what I, um, so I, I almost think it's some sort of like, um, it is some sort of a skill set that I think I, 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 I had, uh, I want to say maybe somewhat naturally. Uh, and then I've, I've since certainly refined it and developed it, but I can remember as early being in college, uh, my earliest memory of something like that is in college where, you know, there was a lot of clicks. There was all oh, this group hung out over here and that group hung out over there and, Oh, don't go over there. Those guys are over there and you know, whoever they were. Um, I, I forever, um, I forever, uh, never abided by those rules. You know, I, I, I went over to that area over there where those people sat and I sat with them and I talked with some of them, you know, and, um, and then I, I, the next day you might find me over there with that group of people who everybody, Oh, you shouldn't sit with them. And you know, uh, you know, you can't go over there. That's their space. Um, uh, and so I've always kind of been, I don't know if I want to say chameleon like, but I've never been uncomfortable with any one, um, with any one, you know, I've never been uh, un- so uncomfortable that I couldn't just walk into that group over there and, you know, sit down with people and talk to them and, you know, whatever. And so I think, I think that translates now into, um, you know, it translates now into, I just shift gears when I need to, you know? And so in that moment, I'm on the phone with my sister, just being a brother or being a musician, driving to a gig. And I turn the corner. I'm like, Oh, hold on, I got to go. And I hang up and I just shift gears. And I'm, I'm, I'm in that mood. And, and, and by the way, you know, and then I wrapped up with that guy and, you know, uh, uh, I went in and did the gig and, you know, <laughs> that was that, you know, I was back, I, I, I went back into musician mode. And, and so I, I think, you know, as far as that, I just morph into what I need to morph into in the moment, you know, yeah. um, as far as, time management, you know, I could probably benefit from, <coughs> sorry, I could probably benefit from a little better time management. Um, but frequently, you know, you know, I leave my house at six o'clock and I may not get home until, you know, seven o'clock. And then I got to go, you know, cause I also coach. So I sometimes throw that in the mix. And then I go and I, and I got to go to a gig after that. And so, you know, there's just not time to get to stuff sometimes. So most recently, the last four years or so, you know, I've started to develop a team. And, and so I have a few people on my team uh, that help me, you know, get different things done or, or, you know, when we go do a show, like I opened up for Poco uh, earlier in October, you know, I got a, a little group of people that come with me and help me with my merch and, kind of act as a front person and, you know, get there maybe before me and just suss things out and, you know, whatever. And, and, and so, you know, uh, I've learned to, to delegate some of that, I think has been a big part of it. Um, and, uh, but I still do a lot of stuff myself. You know, I still do a lot of stuff myself. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's been, yeah. Which is not some... always the best way to do things, by the way, because things fall to the wayside as a result. Exactly. You know? Yeah. No, that's been something that's definitely been a theme on 10,000 No's is the, the ability to, you know, as, as some of my entrepreneurial friends will say, if you want to scale, you need to develop systems and those systems then right. are implemented and given to other people who can usually do the job better than you think you can do it anyway. And, yeah. you know, well, and from a time standpoint, yeah, from, from a time standpoint. And then, and then sometimes even from an execution standpoint, uh, there are certain yeah. things that you need to be doing yourself. And there are certain things that need to be delegated so that they free you up so that you, you can do the things that you need to do that are really unique to you. Um, yeah. So my fantasy would be, I could just write songs, record, go do shows. Uh, and that'd be it, be the artist. Right. But instead I write songs, I record, I go do shows, I market, I promote, I book, you know, and I have, you know, as I said, I have, uh, you know, you and I have spoken about Jackie and she's, you know, she helps me with a lot of that stuff now, but you know, it's still, it's still, there's all these other roles that I have to play. And, and, but you know, I don't, and I don't ever say any of that, by the way, complaining. And I think that, you know, when you talk about 10,000 no's, you talk about, you, you know, uh, uh, hours that you put in, I mean, I, you know, that record we recorded in 15 hours and then I probably put about, 70 hours in post-production and you know and then in the subsequent weeks getting it reproduced and getting it lined up and getting everything there you know that was probably another 100 hours so you know it's it's like it's hard work being an independent artist is hard work and there's no glamour to it there's no there's no you know there's no uh you know <laughs> there's just no glamour to it and and uh from a business standpoint you're you're in a business now that you know, I said to my boys, you know, because they're both business students, I said, hey, if you got a project you have to do in school, see if you can figure out how to monetize a product that everybody wants, still wants, but nobody wants to pay for because that's the world we live in. You know, yeah. I, I got I sell music as my product and there's a whole set of people that don't think they should pay for music. And so how do you make money with that? You know, so yeah. Luke, my son, he said. I was showing him my new website. He goes, well, why would people buy that? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, why would people buy that on your website? I was like, because I'm, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, I can just get all your stuff on iTunes. I was like, well, you got to buy it on iTunes. He goes, no, I, I pay $10 a month and I get whatever I want for free. Like in his mind, it's free, right? He pays 10 bucks and then he has access to 50 million records. Right. And as he's talking, he presses a couple buttons on his phone. He goes, like, I just downloaded your album. I was like, oh, I had no idea because I'm not in that world. Right. I don't, I don't do all that stuff. And, and so, you know, so here I am driven to do, no, that's funny. I used the word driven. That wasn't even intentional. Here I am. I'll say it again. Here I am driven to do this life of an independent artist, which at this point is not a financial, you know, I make, I mean, I make plenty of money playing over the course of the year, but you know, here, here's a good example on on pandora a million spins on pandora will get me ninety dollars wow imagine that a million spins if a million people or five hundred thousand people listen to it twice i'd get ninety dollars for pandora one day sirius isn't much better on how they pay now they did just pass this uh this music act in congress recently it's going to change some of that i don't know how much but 
you know, so, so if you're getting into this, you know, you're, you're to, go, to go to your theme of 10,000 no's, if there's anybody listening, you're thinking, I, I want to be an independent artist. I want to make records. It's great. Uh, and I have no bitterness when I share this. There's not a whole lot of money to be made in the making and selling of music unless you're one of the eight artists that sits at the top of the, the musical pyramid, you know, that's out there like a, a you know, what's her name, uh, Taylor Swift or, you know, somebody at that level you know, Bruce Springsteen, you know, they're making money, still selling music, but there, there's not a, there's not a lot in it. So, well, I've also heard this, that a lot of them are really making more of their money uh, on tours, you know, that a lot of the major, even the major, mm-hmm. you know, the U2s and the yeah. Bruce and all yeah. that, they're making money on yeah, live that's, tours. That's where, you, that's where you're going to make more money now than, than the selling of the product. People are still what, buying music. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, but well, that's also, on, oh, go on. No, I was going to say on my level, you know, as I say, I generate, you know, a good amount of money over the course of the year between playing and selling product. But, you know, I, I, I'm not that's not what makes me go forward. I do what I do because it's what I do. And I have something to say and I want to put it in the format of a song and I want people to hear it and share it with them. And, you know, and, and, and that's what I do. And, you know. Uh, as I said to you, nine, I live for the 5% of the time that I get a yes, because 95% of what I do is you're told no. Yeah. You know, you're trying to get into this venue. You're trying to get into that venue. You're trying to get into here. And I've played, you know, some very, you know, respectable, well-known spaces and, and played in front of hundreds or thousands of people and they, you know, whatever. But uh, it's, it's still, it's still, you know, I wake up as a rock star, you know, in the morning and I got to go pick up my kids or I got to go get the bagels or I got to empty the kitchen garbage. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, there's no glamour to it. You know, it is what it is. But that being said, I love what I do. And I think to myself, how lucky am I? We, so, so we played, we played up at this Daryl, Daryl's house, you know, Daryl Hall's place right. and, and uh, on Sunday night and uh, the green room is uh, decorated with everybody. Um, writing their names on the wall and whatever. And some people drew pictures and all this stuff like that. And we're sitting there and there was somebody's name on the wall and somebody wrote something not so nice underneath that person's name. And then somebody drew a line to it and wrote truth next to it. And we were just sitting there and we're just like, what kind of jerk do you have to be that if you're lucky enough to be sitting in this green room, cause you're a performer living that life, what kind of jerk do you have to be to write something negative about somebody that else's name on the wall? Yeah. You know, like be grateful, man. Be, be, be grateful that how lucky are you to have the opportunity to do this, you know? And, and so that's what I say. Like, uh, you know, I do have an abundance mentality and I do have a, 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 a hopelessly romantic, optimistic outlook and, and, you know, which is a killer all the time because you never meet your romantic notions about anything. So you're always disappointed, but you never stop coming back. And, and, and to that end, it's like, I, I, I don't, I'm just grateful that I get to do what I get to do. And I can't tell you how many nights in the, in the smallest of venues with, with six people or in the biggest of venues with, you know, hundreds of people, Sometimes in a moment of a song, I'll have this very conscious thought of like, I get to do this, you know, like that's, that's cool, you know? And, 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 and I don't, I don't undervalue that at all. I don't, I don't underestimate the opportunity to do that in any way whatsoever. Um, you know, and so the, the, 
Yeah, the it's time. Funny. Oh, go on. I don't ever feel like I work. You know, I, I fully embraced make your vacation your vocation, as Mark Twain said, and you'll never work a day in your life. I've never worked. I, I, I don't ever, you know, I love what I get to do every day. I wake up every day loving what I get to do day and night and day and night and day and night. I love what I get to do. So it's, it's easy to do what I do because I love doing it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the biggest piece is that, you know, you can't, you know, I, I, you just, you have to love what you do, you know, and I do, and I'm fortunate that way. And I, and I don't undervalue that. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's something that, uh, a past guest, Kathy Heller, um, you know, she, her, her whole podcast is all about, you know, don't, don't keep your day job. And it's all about kind of monetizing your, your dream job or, or taking it in some way. And, and I'm, as you're talking, I'm just thinking, um, of people that are listening and, and, you know, hearing this and it really is actually in this day and age, what ends up happening, or I think what you need to do to go into a field like music or acting, um, with your eyes open is to say, okay, you, you know, one thing that it sounds like you're guilty of, and I think I've been guilty of in the past is we go like, all right, I'm just going to keep doing it because I'm, you know, I love it so much. And that is, that is good. But they're also, you know, you have a right to say, I also want to be paid for this and I need to be paid for this in order to be sustainable, which you are. But I'm even thinking of what Luke said. Well, why, you know, it's like looking at the system at the market and looking at how consumers, uh, purchase or, or how music is available to them and then going like, okay, so what within that system would work where I can, my music can maybe be framed, marketed, you know, combined with something else so that it, it can only, it could add, you know, exponential value in another forum yeah. rather than just being downloaded off of iTunes. And, and I think that's why you end up selling a lot of merchandise at your shows because people connect with you emotionally and they want to have a piece of yeah, you, the, I mean, the musician, your music and you, the man, you know? So, yeah, no, I, I think that's a truth. I mean, I do sell, you know, they, Oh, nobody's buying CDs. I can tell you right now, that's just not true. I mean, I, if I do a show, I sell CDs. I, I think the connection piece is all I can hang on to, you know? Um, I could just only keep only keep going out and doing what I do. And as long as I keep connecting to people, then I see no end in sight. Complete this sentence. The word no actually means what? Yes. 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 yes you're going to answer or yes, that's your answer. <laughs> no, it means the word yes. no actually no means, means yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in the terms of what I do, if I take the word no and just leave it there, I'm done. So no means to me, I'm closer to the yes that I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like if, as I said, I I live for the 5% that I get told yes. And by the way, 80% of that 5% might be, you know, not the greatest, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's, you know, but I make, again, I just make the best of whatever I do. 
You know, I try and I, I've played some unbelievable, like pinch myself, like, am I really doing this shows? And I've done some gigs where I go, what in God's name have I got myself into here? Yeah. You know, and then you just shake your head and you go, okay, survival mode. We're just going to get through, yep. you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not unlike uh, the, <laughs> it's not unlike the blues brothers scene where they're, you know, behind the chicken coop and they keep playing the same song over yeah. and over. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? It's, no, it's, I, you know, I, I've not, I'm not having anything thrown at me ever, but you know, uh, but sometimes yeah. it survive. I've done the equivalent of that in, in the theater. Trust me. So here's my next one yeah. right now. Yeah. I want you to think of the first thing that comes to mind can be a, a phrase. It's a, it could be a book title, film title, song title, lyric, mm-hmm. or, or a quote of any kind. Uh-huh. What do you got? First thing that comes oh, to mind. Are you not giving me a prompt? No, I'm just, I just want to hear, like, I want you to free associate the first title, phrase, lyric, anything that comes. First title, phrase, or lyric that comes to mind. Could be a is quote. It, is a dream be... a lie if it don't come true, or is it something worse? Is a dream a lie that don't come true, or is it something worse? Yeah. Is that one of your lyrics? Well, I wish it were, man. I wish it were. <laughs> what is that? I hate that line. It's a Springsteen. It's in, uh, I think it's in the river. Oh. Is a dream a lie if it don't come true, or is it something worse? God Almighty, I love that line. What does it is mean to you? Dream a lie. What, what do you mean? Well, is, is a dream a lie if it don't come true, or is it something worse? I just, I just, I don't know. It means I, 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 I never stop dreaming. You know, I told you I'm a hopeless romantic. I, I can romanticize any situation, good, bad, or otherwise. And I've had some in my life, and I, and I, and I can romanticize anything and dream and fantasize about anything. And so I think, I think what it means to me is like, is a dream a liar? If it don't come true, or is it something worse? I don't, I don't want it to be worse than a lie. So I'm just never going to not dream. I'm just going to always dream. As long as I'm vertical and able to, I'm going to keep dreaming. And that dream might include fame and fortune and, might include just waking up to face another day. I don't know, but I, I just, I, I just, that line kills me. I love it. Last that line one. kills me. Yeah. If you could give your younger self advice, what age would you choose to intervene? And what would the advice be? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my younger self. Um, what do you want? A specific age? Well, you know, would it be when you were in seventh grade, high school, college, in your twenties? Nah, things things are pretty good. Things are pretty good right up through all those years. I think. I think. uh, Well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about? changing course of my life or are we talking going back and fixing something like what's the what's the root of that question i love this this is what you get when you have family on see ever nobody else has ever questioned this this i'll rephrase it i won't rephrase it i will repeat it if you could give your younger self advice what age would you choose to intervene and what would the advice be 
Um, I think it'd be somewhere around 19 or 20. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's funny cause I guess cause my kids are right around that age. I've been thinking how important it is for me to get them to understand, pursue what you want in life. Don't let others deter you or distract you or naysay or tell you you can't. And, and though I feel that I have done that myself, if I could go back to 19 or 20 and take a right turn instead of the left turn that led to the right turn, maybe I would have ended up, you know, in a different space. But all that said, I got not a single complaint about anything in my life and where I've ended up and where I am and how things have unfolded. So, you know, you know, I've done everything I've done while maintaining a career and a family and as a husband, as a, as a father, as a son, as a grandson, you know, um, I, I, I've, I've done everything I've done with all those multiple roles that we all have to balance. And I don't feel like I've compromised any of them in the process. Yeah. But, but I do think, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be truthful if I didn't say that I do wonder, you know, what if I had made other choices to, to, you know, to, to, you know, when I think about acting, I mean, you know, when you came down and, and we were taking, you know, classes together and everything like that, I, I just, I, I, that's probably one thing I would do different. Like I thought I had to make a choice between the music and the acting. And, and I've often thought I should just continue to pursue both because I, I probably would have positive outcomes. And so, you know, um, and that's, you know, eventually something I'm, I'm going to get back to as we've discussed, but I mean, you know, um, so yeah, so I think, I think 18 or, you know, 19 or 20, um, is the time that I go back though. I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would really convince myself to do anything different so much as just reinforce, do it that way. You know, just don't let other people tell you you can't, which I never, like I say, I never really have. I mean, yeah. I've never, I've never listened. Oh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big dream. Oh, really? You're still like people say, Oh, you're still playing your music. And I'm like, yeah, really? You haven't given up on that yet. I'm like, yeah, no. Oh, I gave up on my dreams years ago. No, that's sad. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry you did that. You know, like yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't think that way, you know? So, um, but you know what, man? I mean, I, I like I say, I've been, I've been very, very fortunate in all that I have gotten to do. And I do feel in some ways I've lived many different lives in my single life thus far. And, and, uh, you know, and I've met with success in just about all of those lives and, and, you know, and that's a common theme I get to carry around for myself, you know? Yeah. And pass um, on your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and pass on to my kids and, and, and hopefully pass on to other people, you know, that I cross their paths, whether it's educationally or musically or, you know, uh, you know, whatever. And, and, and that to me is what it's really, that's to me is kind of the purpose, right. To enhance and, and embellish other people's lives while living your life, 
you know, yeah, and 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 have a positive impact on people. And, and so, um, I've been given evidence of that on occasion from people who share something with me where they say, "Hey, you know, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but you know," and they'll share something. Oh no, I didn't know. That's really cool. Thank you. You know, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Listen, I, I want everybody out there, I, I urge you to take a listen to Artie's music and um, go go check it out for yourself. And, and I, I hope you're going to love it and you're going to buy it and you're going to spread the word and, um, and get his music out there. The passion is there and the talent is there. And it's, uh, it's really a pleasure talking to you. Cause I uh, yeah. love you. Well, and I, thank you I, for I appreciate down. you giving me some time on this fantastic podcast. This <laughs> 10,000 nose thing. It was a brilliant idea you had. Well, I, it's a uh, lot of truth to it, man. Yeah. All kidding aside, I told you, I've listened to these things, uh, a bunch of them. And I just, I find them, uh, you know, they're inspirational. They're, they're motivational. They're, they're, you know, there's a great theme that runs through all of them. And I think that's largely due to the way you conduct it, but you know, there's a lot of people out there like you and I who are pursuing things and, and, and uh, it's nice to find camaraderie in others that you go, Oh, I'm not the only crazy person out here doing this seemingly, you know, shoveling against the tide every morning or at the bottom of the mountain every morning, despite whatever I did yesterday. So it's always, it's nice. It's nice to find that, you know? Awesome. Thank you for saying that. All right. I hope by now you realize why I wanted you to hear Artie's take on things. I love what he stands for because there are just no excuses. I am super proud. If I have to choose, here are my three major takeaways. One, Artie said there's a tendency to give away your creativity to someone you think is an expert. Nobody else is responsible to fulfill my dream. Guys, if you take nothing else from not just this conversation, but this entire show, that's it. It is on you. You're the one. You're the one with the answers. You're the one with the golden side. Others can help. You should absolutely seek out mentors and study and learn your craft, but you are the one. Don't forget that. Number two, already said, what drives me is that I want to make a difference for people and make an impact. And then at the end, he said, as long as I'm connecting with people, that is a big part of it for me. Now, hearing this back makes me realize why I'm so close to Artie. That's kind of exactly how I feel about this podcast. Regardless of how big it eventually grows, and I happen to think it's going to be a behemoth one day, I've already won because I already get emails and messages from listeners like the one I read to you in the beginning about how it's it's changed them or helped them act differently. And I love that Artie's focus is on making his audiences feel something. He makes it about them. He writes it for his own reasons, but he doesn't care how you interpret his lyrics as long as they mean something to you. I think that's really important. Number three, the last one is overall. I just look at Artie and the life he's created for his family. By the way, his wife, Eric, is very responsible for that as well. I I don't want to lose sight of what an important part of the puzzle she is in all of this. But I look at him and I think, how many other people have I come across who say they want this or that? They want to be a rock star. They want to be an actor, whatever it is, but they're not willing to work for it. There are no excuses, guys. Take a page from Artie's book and just do it. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining me. If you found this inspiring or entertaining or educational, please tell people about it. Whatever way is easiest for you. Just get the word out there so others can benefit too. If you've yet to rate us on iTunes, please do that. If you dug already, go listen to my conversations with Kathy Heller, Jimmy Jam, or Chip Taylor. All of them are related to the music industry, and I guarantee you'll find them to be compelling. Next Friday was supposed to be former New York Giant and the NFL's most fit man, Steve Weatherford. But as of this recording, at least, we had to reschedule. So if it's not Steve, it'll be some other incredible guest. And Steve will join us at some point. Just follow me on social media. You'll be inundated with announcements and promo videos of who's next. At Maddie Dell on Instagram, at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at info at 10,000nos.com if you want to be added to our mailing list. And be on the lookout for some cool merchandise we're going to have available at 10,000nos.com. Awesome t-shirts with the show's logo on the chest and failure's opportunity across the shoulders and the back. Very cool baseball caps. Not sure when those are coming. Uh, 10,000 Nose Journal. So you have a place to put all these new thoughts and ideas you're getting down and actually do something with them. All right. Go out and crush your week and we will see you next Friday. Thank you. Thank you.